So I come over, and he's just laying in this little bog. I'm thinking, well, he looks dead. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing you know when you approach a dead animal or you think is dead, you poke it on the butt or poke it on the eye to make sure it's dead. I come up and poke it on the butt. It was not dead. Listening to the Muzzleloaders Podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything black powder. How's it going, guys? It's Darren with the Muzzleloaders.com, and you're listening to the Muzzleloaders Podcast. And today I am joined by Walker and Wyatt Shearer. And we're out in Montana right now. Uh, we were here last year. It was a lot of fun. So we figured we'd come back and get some more content for you guys. And excited to have these two guys on and talk about uh, growing up in the outdoor industry and so if you guys are not familiar with shoot straight tv uh, shoot straight tv is a family-oriented hunting show and uh, these guys have been on the show since they were little kids and so uh, very unique upbringing and i'm excited to kind of dive into what it was like to grow up on tv on a hunting show and travel the world and have more experience before you were 10 than most people have in their entire lifetime so uh how are you guys doing we're doing great thanks for having us it's a great day to be here it is it is beautiful outside so um so i want to talk a little bit about your guys's uh like what do you guys like to do um i know wyatt you had a uh rodeo yesterday walker uh you do a lot of photography and breed dogs and all kinds of crazy stuff so um what do you guys do what are your interests go ahead wyatt you know, right now, <clears throat> I've been training a bunch of horses, so I get a lot of people's horses that aren't finished, and then I bring them in and do it and finish them off and make them really broke and then go to rodeos and hunt, fish, guide, pretty much anything. <laughs> anything outside. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing inside. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like you said, Darren, uh, yeah, I love the photography and videography side of things. I, I do a lot working with the TV show that we have. I do all the editing and production for it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, aside from that, I enjoyed the bird dogs quite a bit and run a operation, Big Sky Bird Dogs training and selling bird dogs and breeding as well. And then uh, really enjoy flying. Aviation's a big yes. passion of mine, so really big into that and been growing into it as much as I can. And, you know, when the season's right, all the guiding that – takes place that we do in the fall and mm -hmm. summer fishing guiding and all that good stuff so yeah li like why just like being outside as much as i can yeah well you live in a great place to be outside so. absolutely <laughs> um so talk to me a little bit about uh, what it was like growing up in the outdoor industry so a lot of people you know it's their dream to be on a hunting tv show and be like a professional hunter you know and you guys got to experience that it's kind of all you've known your whole life um, what was that like? Were there any challenges, like the ups and downs, and uh, what did you guys kind of experience through that? You know, it was it was really a unique experience. It's one of those things that growing up in the industry, we didn't know anything differently. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that was normal to us. Uh, going into hunting camp when we were, oh, shoot, I, I think the first time that they took us back in there, it was barely six months old. I mean, that oh, was man. that was my parents' livelihood, you know? Yeah take us back in the wall tent and that's just how we grew up so we had so many memories so many unique opportunities um yeah and growing up on the show it was it was always uh, always an adventure and we had a great time with it and that was the thing when dad was approached uh, by some companies in the industry of the possibility of doing the tv show that 
he just told him, he's like, listen, it's, it's either going to be about hunting with my family or I, I appreciate the opportunity, but I'm not going to do it. You know, he yeah. wasn't, yep. there's a lot of guys that get approached with this and have the opportunity, but you know, it's all right, you're going to go hunt all over, but you aren't going to be with your family and do it. And there's a lot of guys that be, well, that's all right. Yeah. I want to go hunt the yeah. world. They'll yeah. be fine. But that was one thing that dad capitalized on is if he was going to do it, he did it together. So yeah. like you said, growing up doing the, you know, with school and whatnot, it, uh, we did, we did homeschool. My mom was a saint for the things that she did, <laughs> making sure our schooling got done on the road. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, I'd, I'd say it often. It's how, how unique was it to be doing algebraic equations before we land in the absolute middle of nowhere in the Arctic circle for yeah. a muskox hunt, you know, yeah. it yeah. was, it was really cool. And looking at back at it now, it's just makes you realize how much we really were fortunate to have the upbringing we have and it's it still continues to stay and just so blessed that we got to do it i don't think also we didn't know a difference i mean from the time we were a year old that's all we ever did so it wasn't like we did something before and had school and sports and everything and then went and tried transitioning or just that was what we knew yeah yeah and i think that um it's crazy because a lot of people they think about doing something with their life they think like oh i wish i could travel here or i wish i could travel there and a lot of people get to be a hundred years old and die and never really try to do anything with their <laughs> lives you know and that's i'd say that that's probably the majority of people i mean they get they just kind of mail it in and you guys have had the unique experience to see what's out there before you even really become adults and right. then you know really have a chance to decide what you want to do with your life and um because your dad kind of laid that foundation in your mom in that you can pursue your passions you can do what you love you don't have to be set in a you know you don't have to work a nine to five the rest of your life you can do whatever right. the heck you want to do um i think that's a real blessing you know that a lot Absolutely. of people don't get to experience i think what was cool about that is dad didn't push his uh, his way of life and the career that he chose and worked for to get he didn't push that on us mm -hmm. uh, one thing about dad and mom especially is they always showed us what was available you know we went all over the world but hey there's more to it than this there's more to it than being an outfitter or being in the industry there's you know there's other options you know hey if you guys want to go play sports yeah we're on the road you homeschool a lot we'll find a way there's a way yep. to make it happen you know he he gave us that opportunity if we wanted to do it like <laughs> throw a football in elk season when the bulls are screaming no yeah. thanks dad but we'll just go hunting with you and yeah. it, it was cool so you know the, those memories wouldn't trade for the world but mm -hmm. it was really neat that they did make that i mean i'm sure you feel the same way Wyatt, that there was other opportunities available i mean just like you i mean you've taken off in your open career and gone professional with it and done really well so far and it was good because like dad he took it and he he tried roping when he was in college, but then that didn't turn out good because he realized it took a lot of time and money to do that. <laughs> and he figured out, like, he went a different route, but then he took people that he knew and some friends, and then he put me with them, and, like, he always found a way, and same with you as bird dogs. He Right. I mean, he would somehow, in his phone, he has a contact for Everybody. every way of life. <laughs> I mean, if like, when we were in Atlanta, if we wanted to go watch a baseball game, he talked to Ryan Klesko, and we went down on the field and everything. Like, he had a contact to do just about anything on the road. Mm -hmm. So, he made it fun. And, like, Mom, too, when we were kids and we'd go speaking and stuff, it wasn't – a lot of kids would be torture to go be on the road from sun up yeah, to sundown for months. But Mom yeah. would – when we were little kids, she'd find 
hotels with water parks and stuff. Yeah. And it was awesome. And many fun. a times get speeding tickets trying to leave the you know, the expo or whatever show we were at, trying <laughs> to get us to the hotel with the water. The one park. in Canada yeah. was great. It was. We she, got caught up in the along. border. Oh, and really? It was taking forever. And then we get across the border into Canada, and we were supposed to be at a really nice hotel with a water park. Like, we were so excited for it. We were probably, like, 9 and 10. Yeah. And then she starts, Dad Dad was tired, and he wanted to sleep, so Mom started driving. And I, I think, think it was just that. She didn't think he was driving fast enough. She, <laughs> why she was going. Going to She got pulled over, and the what do they call them? Cops up there? I don't know. What they call no, the Royal Mounted Police. Yeah, yeah they're like they pull over on a horse, or was it? no? It's no. Like a, <laughs> I guess they've given them vehicles. Ah, uh, they're more, they're they, more advanced. Now. They pulled her over, and they're like, "What are you going so fast for?" She's going like twenty kilometers over, like cruising, and yeah, she's moving. And she's like, "Well, I was passing a semi." And then, like, it was a good 10 minutes, and there was no semis that came by. And then here comes the semi, like, 15 minutes later. And she's like, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get the kids to the water park. I don't think, did she get a ticket? No. I can't remember. No, she got a warning for it because she, she might have. She know. talked him into because she was getting us to the water park. So Yeah. It's probably a big hassle to give a, somebody that's from out of the country a ticket, too. But. I know some people that got tickets up there, and they're not allowed back because they haven't paid them yet. Oh, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um yeah and i think just like that's a really unique perspective to like to be driving all day long to understand how big the world is you mm-hmm. know rather than a lot of people just not really leaving their hometown you know right um what were some of the challenges that kind of were accompanied with that like um obviously being homeschooled and i'm sure your school schedule was really irregular um was that difficult or were you guys able to kind of just you know get after it and confront that challenge what do you think what I mean, it wasn't, sometimes it wasn't a lot of fun. You'd be doing school driving gets very old because mm-hmm. I know myself, I get very like sidetracked <laughs> and we'd be driving and then I'd be realized I'd be staring out the window for 30 minutes and get nothing accomplished. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was what we grew up with. So it wasn't like anything changed. It was just, mm-hmm. I mean, how normal kids get up and go to school. They just get on a routine and we in between shows and in between stuff driving and at airports and on planes. That's when we did school. Yeah. 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 And I, I think one of the cool things too is sure for most people that would be a little more difficult. And we've seen other people that, you know, try homeschool and that and it's like it's interesting how they're doing it. But uh mom yeah. was mom was always organized. She always had her stuff together and she worked with us. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't so set on, okay, you have to do it at this, 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 this time. It was all right, hey, your dad's hunting this week. We've got some guests in. If you want to do a couple extra days, you know, in the next few days and then take off when he's here, we'll do it. Just you got to apply yourself and get it done. And so we did that. Yeah. And so that was the cool thing. Our schedule was awesome. You yeah. know, we would yep. start earlier than most in the school year, but then take some time off in hunting season. Just, you know, a couple days here, a couple days there. And it was great. Yeah. Well, it teaches you a lot of lessons about life, too. It teaches right. you how to manage your own time mm-hmm. rather than just like, I'm going to school at this time and leaving at this time, like punching the punching the clock you know you definitely learned some logistics i think too mom made it like if there was an if we had something like divisions or decimals and it was just like easy like stupid stuff that Mm -hmm. we already knew she'd be like here take this test 
if you like get a hundred on it, I mean, you can't miss one, but if you get a hundred, you don't have to go back and do all those equations. Yeah. So yeah. we would try to learn as fast as we could. Yeah. So that when, <laughs> that she helped, gave, yeah. when she gave us a test, it would sometimes say it's like three days of school. Cause I mean, it wasn't hard stuff. I mean, yeah. how hard is it to move a decimal two spots? It's, yeah. It's not rocket science. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was homeschooled as well. And I think that's a, one of the challenges that people really get frustrated with in school is having to learn stuff that is way too easy, you know, yeah, whereas like, yeah, it's like, if you know this, it's like, just prove to me you know it, and then we'll move on with our lives, you know? And then you get to start learning more advanced stuff and advance more quickly. So, yeah, overall, I think homeschooling is great. And it's interesting to see, like, when like when we were kids, because we're all about the same age, homeschooling kind of wasn't very cool. And then nowadays it seems like everybody's homeschooling <laughs> with the, all the stuff that's going on in education right now. Um, and which with, I think is interesting. And with all the school shootings and stuff. I know Seriously. I've seen a lot of people go to homeschool after all that. Yeah, it's crazy. I think that um, – and I think it's going to be good overall for our, our country just to have more people educated at home because you're actually in control of what you're being taught, you're teaching your kids, right. you know. And I think that the people that are going to be take the time to homeschool their kids are probably going to do a better job of it than the people that just want to send their kids off to school. And, you know, that's not to say anything against public school people. Things have, you know, it's not a, it's a, a necessary thing. But I think homeschooling is something that is definitely viable and really important in society. But yeah um and how did that play in with with hunting so like if you guys were gone for a couple weeks you know did you guys have to get stuff done like did you hunt all day and come back and do school at night no, she didn't push us hard like that you know it, it was like dr- out there driving to camp we'd do school right or we'd be school sitting in the blind yeah i mean there were times yeah all right <laughs> we had we're our sitting own folders in a, a tree stand here's your reading assignment you know yeah not gonna lie that was kind of boring but <laughs> I yeah. don't enjoy sitting and reading, especially when I could be doing better things. But sitting in a tree stand's not all that exciting either. So yeah, I didn't do that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk to me about uh, about your moose hunt this year. Moose hunt was last year, but I was in the mountains just right by us where we're at here. Um, it was a they give one tag away for the whole mountain range, and they've only been doing it a couple years. The moose population's starting to pick up. Yeah, so somehow first year I ever put in for I drew it which was shocking in itself but I've been scouting and all the ranchers around here I've told them to keep an eye out so I like almost every couple days I'd get a picture from a rancher with a moose they saw through their binos and stuff Mm. and it was hard to find a decent one there's a lot there's quite a few like small just little paddle bowls but yeah I figured a once in a lifetime tag I'd rather not shoot one (laughs) than shoot a little dink you know yeah yeah so we get a call from one of dad's buddies that his son was on the school bus going to school and they saw this bull out in their hayfield. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking, well, we'll go see if we can find it tonight. So that night we go down there, can't see it, can't see it. Then we just drive up to this glassing point. We come over the hill in the middle of a hayfield, not where a moose should be. Yeah. Like in the middle of the tundra, here's a big bull moose just out there with the cows eating around. Huh. Like should not have been there. So we get out, put a stalk on it, pop over the hill about 150 yards away from it. Yeah. And I had the CVA 300 and put the whack on it. And then actually worked out because we were able to drive a truck ride to it and load, nice. it, with, load it with a Probably hydraulic bed. The easiest bed. moose pack out <laughs> recorded in history around here. It put was... a chain right around his back feet and lifted him with hydraulics in the truck. I mean, it was yeah. easy. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, it seems like moose hunts. Like, I actually, I just went to Alaska for the first time this year, and they were talking about you know they go in like 20 miles on a boat and they hike like 
10 miles from there and so you have all this different leg work you have to do to try and get a moose layers. out like yeah. that moose behind us i shot that one when i was 12 i think yeah 12 or 13 yeah. 12 or 13 and we went we drove to alaska which was a or the yukon which is a really long drive seriously and then when we got there we got on a float plane yep. was it like an hour float plane ride in yep and then once we got on the float plane, then we took horses and we went like a whole day on horses, like a 20 hour ride on horses to get to another camp. And then we hiked from there for the moose. <laughs> and that was a pack out I trying bet, to get everything yeah. out, but it was fun. Yeah. We spent more time getting back and forth from camp than we did on the hunt. I mean, I shot that mountain goat the first morning and then you shot the moose the following day. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty quick. I mean, yeah. it was all that travel to get in there, and it's like, all right, I guess we're headed out now. So. <laughs> There's a lot of work, though. Yeah. Packing a moose out on horses. I mean, the creeks you cross, I mean, it, it was it was fun. So what, uh, you know, talking about all these different hunts and stuff and going into the backcountry 20 miles on horses, like what has been the most memorable hunt that you guys remember? Boy, that's a tough one. You got one off the top of your head, Wyatt? I mean, we just talked about that moose hunt. That was a really fun hunt. But, I mean, some of the bird hunts, too, like up in Canada, whenever we take Mr. Johnny up there. Yep. And then, like, some of the bear hunts, I mean, there's stories after stories. Like, one time I had a black bear chase me after <laughs> I shot it. I mean, oh, that really? was a wreck. I, I shot this black bear, and me and our really good friend Johnny Poole were up there, and I shot this bear, and he was put his head in, the like, the barrel because you can bait him up there. When I shot him, he pulled back, and I hit him a little – he was a little too far back or something. I hit him in the liver. So I see him, to like, walk over, and he falls down. Something great. Hit him perfect. He's dead. Uh-huh. I go over there, and it's up there. It's just a marsh swamp, you know? Yeah. And I have a 50-cal muzzleloader, just a break action CVA. So I come over, and he's just laying in this little bog. I'm thinking, well, he looks dead. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing you know when you approach a dead animal or you think is dead, you poke it on the butt or poke it on the eye to make sure it's dead. I come up and poke it on the butt. It was not dead. Yeah. <laughs> it jumps up and starts popping his teeth, chasing me. Oh, man. Like, and I, I'm in solid mud with my mucks on. <laughs> I mean, I am running as fast as I can. I mean, shouldn't I should have just jumped a tree, but... I mean, when a bear's chasing you, you can't really do much. <laughs> so I turned around and tried to shoot him while he was chasing me. I, I didn't even come close to hitting him because I was oh. trying to run. Yeah. And then I'm just screaming like a little girl, <laughs> running. And then the guy had his slug gun, and he shot it, and it fell not even six inches from my back feet. I oh, was man. freaked out. All I remember is when they got back to camp that night, the guy just laughing to tears and he just kept saying why it was just running and yelling <laughs> i'm out of loads because he ran out of all of his loads well, i tried lo- i was running and i was keeping like the bear was hurt so he couldn't run as fast as he yeah. could but yeah. he was keeping up pretty good and i tried loading the muzzleloader like while i'm full running yeah i spilled powder, powder and everywhere. bullets all over that place <laughs> there was no loads left how old were you when that happened like 14 <laughs> So, I mean, we had a lot of fun stories. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. What about yeah. yours, Walker? You know, it's hard to narrow it down. That same hunt you're talking about in the Yukon, uh, I was fortunate to hunt a mountain goat, and that mm-hmm. was that was one of those really, really special things. But um, last year, I shot the biggest whitetail I've ever been able to harvest and had my fiance at the time with me. So that yeah. was probably one of the most special hunts. That was really neat. Well, and she shot her first deer last year too, right? Uh, just a few months ago this year in uh, Hawaii. This year, yeah. yeah. She shot an axis deer, so. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah spoiled. Shooting axis deer for your first, <laughs> your that's first a, kill. That's a pretty hard one to beat, yeah, yeah. for sure. 
Uh, what's so Axis Deer? I heard it tastes delicious. Is that true? Yeah, they, I mean, what do you think about them, Wyatt? It's amazing. I mean, it's such a tender meat. It's like even just the cuts that would normally be not a very good cut on a whitetail are so tender. Like they're huh. almost all the cuts on them are like back straps. Interesting. I mean, really tender, and it's like a. It's not a very coarse meat. It's very f- like uh, tender and lean. Yeah, really good. There's not very much fat on them at all. Like when you skin them out, like a, I mean, a mule deer up here, and you skin one out, it might have two inches of fat on its back, yeah, yep. just from getting ready in the winter. But it's so hot in Hawaii all the time that they don't really need fat, so they mm-hmm. stay really lean, and that their meat's really good. Probably one of my favorite. Yeah, I I've heard that they're really tough to hunt. Like they're extremely skittish, even though there's so many of them. Has that been your guys' experience, or is it different? Well, hunting with an outfitter like Pat Fisher, <laughs> when they're good, they're good, and he's yeah. a really good outfitter, but. I mean, Wyatt, I don't know what, what your opinion is on it, but f- from what I've seen, I think the easiest way to explain it, it's like hunting a pronghorn antelope crossed with a whitetail. Interesting. They, huh. And it's unique. Mixed where you with get an elk. <laughs> yeah. Because they got <laughs> they eyesight. They are tough, and you would think, oh, it's a smaller size deer. They are tough. I mean, we've seen guys shoot them with the one I 30 shot. caliber rifles and not make a great shot. I yeah. Mean, this year with it. the 6.5. Like, they are so tough. I had one on this year with the 6.5 is. 100 yards 120 yards away mm-hmm. and i shot it right through the sh- i mean right through the lungs and it's still just r- trotting away i'm like are you kidding me <laughs> so i rack another one in and then i just put it right through his shoulders and he's like now he's walking on his back two feet and like still up so yeah. i've dropped him again i'm like they are some tough animals but they are fun to hunt i mean they're 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 really a neat animal it's such a unique hunt and usually one of the hardest things that you'll find on a stock is that you're blowing more deer out before you're getting the deer you're after so yeah. you might blow 100 deer before you get to the one and you they, saw originally. they make some really? funny noises like a white tail the way they'll blow and huh. it, when they start rutting they it's kind of interesting how those bucks they roar it, it's almost like a miniature red stag you know it's really it's really they're interesting they're one of my favorite things to hunt it's such a neat place over there yeah it, it's definitely different where we just hunted with the pat Fisher Hawaii Safaris uh, this year, he had a new ranch that he's hunting, and it was a lot like hunting eastern Montana. So, you mm-hmm. know, almost like plains, tall prairie grass, some rolling hills with some coolies. But we've hunted them there. We've hunted them on Molokai, Maui, Lanai, Lanai, uh, hunting them up in the mountains and more of the rainforest type area. Like Lanai was way, the one I shot in Lanai was like, we were hunting in pineapple fields. So yeah. it's just, I mean, just pure flat with these. And then in between the fields, there'd be a big, tall row of grass. Uh-huh. So all the deer would be in the grass, and you just sit there and wait for them to come out in the pineapple fields at night and then stalk yeah. down the roads at them. Huh. Yeah. Which yeah, it was hard because, like, the road was, there was, like, a ditch on each side that came up. So it was like you were in the ditch on the road. So you'd have to belly crawl down these roads. And it, it was tough because it got so rocky and You'd be on your hands and knees for five, six hundred yards crawling. Fascinating. Yeah. And don't wear your favorite hunting gear if you're going over there, like with the, depending on where you're hunting it. But if you're hunting it where they have that red clay, we just, it never comes out. Just get rid of it when you get home, unless really? you want to have red clay stain forever because it will not come out <laughs> it's just really? in there i mean there's there's certain places like where we were hunting this year that the clay wasn't that bad but i think lanai was probably oh, was the worst bad. it was just i still have a pair of pants with the red knees on them. oh just solid <laughs> i mean solid you do not get it out that's crazy yeah i know there's i think the so you just hunting like shorts or just cheap gear or whatever uh, yeah i mean i hunt in my blue jeans 
Yeah, it it was hot. I I just wore shorts, but yeah, you know. He's also got tough knees. I figured if I have to get on my knees, I don't want to hit rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's nice in Hawaii too because you know you can hunt, and then you're also in like one of the most amazing places in the world oh, afterwards. It was great. I mean, you get up, a hunt the morning for a few hours. You're done by 10 o'clock. You go sit on the beach and take a nap, and then yep. you go hunt the evening. I mean, it's... Yeah. The women love it, too. Oh, yeah. yeah They're all happy. They're sitting at the beach or the pool just getting tan, and then we get to leave and go do something we like. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's one of my favorite hunts. It's a blast over there. Totally. Totally, yeah. And you guys have been to Africa a lot, too, right? Yeah, we we have been fortunate. I, what have we been over there like... Three or four times. I I just got back from Mozambique oh, last more. summer with dad, and that was probably my one of my most favorite hunts going over there because it was just you know South Africa. There's a lot of the game preserves and things like that, <clears throat> but uh, it's we more all at, high fence essentially. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's, it's like high fence for what twenty thousand acres. Yeah, I mean like you're big talking chunks. big big chunks. I mean they, the fences are more to keep the poachers out so they can manage the animals than anything. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, going to Mozambique that was way way back in the bush i mean yeah. it was the middle of nowhere we passed out a long time ago and i mean there's elephants right in camp and it, it was cool that was probably the neatest african experience i've had you know and we took meat into the village and getting to interact with the people and i think that's one thing that's a unique aspect of being an outdoorsman a sportsman getting to hunt and fish around the world is you get to see those other cultures mm-hmm. And there's really nothing like it when you get back home and just realize how thankful you are and yeah. that we have the little things to them. Or he, I mean, the fact that we have running water and can just take a shower all the time. Yeah. It's like over there. And we, we were hunting with Wayne Wagner, and he has a very nice camp. And they will they literally will go boil water. So every, I mean, you have hot showers every night, but it's mm-hmm. like the locals don't do that. I mean, yeah. it's they're hauling a lot of water. They start – they start fires early in the afternoon, get all the water hot, and then it's ready for you that night. But it's just like, wow. You, you know, yeah. you see literally tiny grass huts you can barely fit in, and that's all their possessions they they have is yeah. right there. And that's what they sleep on. They sleep on the dirt and a couple little blankets, and it's like, wow, we've got it really good. And in these, like, really rural areas, you know, you guys get to go and see that what is what's the demeanor of the people like in those areas you know i think it's different place to place um they're so grateful in africa though i agree i mean generally that's they see that they they treat the hunters very well they really do because they they see how much the conservation dollars generate their village you know that Mm -hmm. that's what keeps them alive the outfitters you know they they keep them going you know and especially you know this the whole mess with the covid pandemic it it really messed up a lot of those places in africa as far mm. as you know they they depend on that so when we were there in mozambique and we brought a buffalo in that was the first time they had any meat brought into the village in over a year really? i mean granted they you know they have to survive they'll go and get their own but they, they don't they're and all stuff. very very traditional methods away that they're taking animals so that's they're not very high in their success rate yeah and so when we come in with a literally a buffalo taking up a whole truck you know it was just like christmas i mean they were jumping up around you know singing their tribal songs and dancing and they were just thrilled and it's so cool to see that and it yeah but i i mean i think anywhere we've been really it's generally people are very perceptive and welcome of you know people coming in on these hunts um yeah you know 
from the most part that I've seen. I just think it's interesting too to see people that have like we think of America as like oh it's paradise you know we can take a shower whenever we want we right. have all the food and in a lot of ways it is you know but I do think there's something to life about like the way we live in America is too complicated sometimes you know sure. and it's like taking a step back and understanding this is how people live like this people living in a grass hut still a thing even though it's the 21st century and know? it'll humble you too I mean you you see people over here just complaining, 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 and they've got mm-hmm. anything they want and access to everything. And They complain when their Wi-Fi goes out for an hour. <laughs> you go over there to a bush in Africa, and you give a little kid a, a, a single Jolly Rancher, and yeah. they just their eyes light up like you gave them a $100 bill. And it's yep. like they're just happy. All these yep. kids are running around playing, and they're happy as can be. And it's yep. like, you know, got a lot to be thankful for. Totally, totally. And, yeah, it's like it's crazy that – you know, nowadays in our country, you have social media and like depression just on the increase. And you think yeah. think about how experiences like what you guys got as a kid, if everyone was able to experience that, that would probably lead to a significantly improved society. Oh, overall, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, and that's why I think, I think hunting in general, you guys can probably speak to this a lot more than I can. Um, cause I've hunted my whole life, but not to the extent you guys have. And I think that hunting really is important. For people, I think even if people aren't really into hunting, everyone should at least experience hunting because it gives you that that um, that sense of thankfulness. Like, oh, I don't just ha- go to the grocery store and get meat. Like, meat's actually difficult to come by, you know. And this is the kind of work, and this is what it, like it's like to to harvest an animal, you know, and experiencing that and understanding kind of that whole that whole notion. And they realize like how much hunting, like I know too, because I raise some steers, some butcher steers. The amount of effort it takes to get one from the time it's a calf to the time it's ready to butcher. Yeah. I mean, the amount of more grateful I've been. Like, now when you go kill a moose and you kill that big of an animal, mm-hmm. and all you have to do is just go find it, shoot it, and put it in the truck, that's a lot faster. Like, now I'm corning steers for six months getting them ready to butcher. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of work. Sure, nice just commitment. to go kill a moose and just throw, <laughs> take it to the butcher. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's crazy. I think hunting is... Hunting is really, really beneficial for people, you know, experientially. Um, and so all the, you guys, cause you guys have hunted, your dad said f- five different continents, right? Have you guys been with him on all those different ones or? Uh, Walker probably has with Spain and everything. I don't see here, Spain, Africa, um, did some stuff down in Patagonia. That was, I didn't do that on the same trip with dad, but I've been down there. Um, New Zealand. So not, not quite every one of them because dad's been to australia i hadn't i wasn't with him on that trip but we've been fortunate to be on a lot of the trips that he's gone on yeah yeah that's awesome that's awesome what's it been like in the being in the industry um because you guys work really closely with cva bergara all these different brands um growing up kind of in that atmosphere as well what has that been like for you guys i mean you grew up with a lot of like we grew up with some really cool people like Uh, Dudley McGarity, Nate Treadaway, the C- those were the two CEOs mm-hmm. of Bergara, CVA, BPI Outdoors, and then like CJ Buck, ha- um, Chris Hodgson with Hodgson Powder, um, Michael McMichael with Powder but Bullets. I mean, all I remember like Michael McMichael. I went, I rode with him in the truck from Montana to Saskatchewan one year, and just yeah. the stories he would tell and stuff. I mean, just hanging out with those guys as kids, it was so neat. I mean, we didn't mm-hmm. think anything of it, but. Yeah, looking back, that's something like a lot of kids. I mean, a lot of kids would be jealous of going and playing Wii with 
uh, chuck buck a buck knives. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, how cool is that? You know, we're yeah over in Idaho, just hanging out at his house. And he's like, "You guys want to play the Wii?" And we're like, "Sure." Well, <laughs> who doesn't want to play the Wii with Chuck Buck himself? Yeah, and he, he would beat us every time. Uh, like he, he loved played it. with his grandkids all the time, and he was yeah. what was it the wakeboarding deal? He would get like he up on the edge of his. Us. He would get up on the edge of his sofa, his rocking chair, and like he went at it. Like it was oh, man. that was his form of almost working out. Like he would get in a sweat <laughs> from getting so much into the Wii Sports wakeboarding. Oh man! That's See that like one of the main guys of Buck Dives, the Mister Buck, playing wakeboard on the Wii was just just <laughs> it was awesome. Fun. That yeah, is awesome. And it, it's just like Wyatt said, like you grow up and like, yeah, just the people were around. We yeah. didn't really think of it. But now it's like we got to do stuff like that with icons in the industry. Yep. And, you know, you go to the trade shows and go into SHOT Show and you think, oh, I'm just, you Not know, another show. nobody yeah. really knows anybody kind of thing. And then it's like, okay, well, there's John Zen. It's like, hey, Walker, how's it going? How's the season going? Like, you know, the head editor yep. at the time of the NRA publications. It's yep. just – like Slate and White, like Mr. Shot Show that runs all the Shot Daily stuff uh, at the time. And, you know, he, he hunted with us every year. And yep. it's, it yep. was cool. You know, it's like we've got all these guys. We can contact them and know them and have that relationship with them. And that's a lot what Dad does is he'll, he does all the media relations uh, for BPI. And so he takes a lot of the A-level writers on hunts and yep host them out here and it's it was really cool you know getting to meet so many people in the industry which makes it fun when you're at the trade shows and you know you know all these guys and yeah it's like yep. yeah i've grown up filming hunts for you and packing your deer out and helping scout and it, it's it's pretty cool that connection it, it's been it's been really neat yeah i think that's one of the great things about being involved in the outdoor industry is getting to meet people like uh you guys at shoot straight tv and and getting to go to SHOT Show and hang out with, like, Jason Sebo and, you know, these different people from CVA and, you know, Bergara and all these other brands. And just kind of really, like, the people in the outdoor industry, they just really like to get after it. You know, they want to do some hunting. They want to uh, include everybody else for the most part. You know, I don't think there's really anybody that's a that – there. I'm sure there are some people that are kind of, you know – arrogant and out for themselves but for the most part people are pretty cool and genuine i think so like you said jason he's just a down-to-earth guy and he's yeah. out here quite a bit and then what was it two years ago walker had a elk tag up in the high woods and i was scouting a bunch and jason had a cow tag for the high woods and i said hey let's go kill a cow you know uh-huh. he was leaving the next day and he took we took a rifle up there and somehow it was this doesn't really happen up there for elk but I spotted these elk, and we made a slip in through the trees. And I, we weren't expecting it to happen. Like, I was in my dudes. He was just in jeans. Like, it was kind of we were just out there scouting for Walker. And then mm-hmm. normally up there it's just bulls later in the season. Like, the bulls are off in bachelor herds. And on this side of the mountain, there's not a ton of cows. They go on the other side. Yeah. So there was a herd of, like, five cows and a spike bull. So we, we try slipping in on them. And we pop out of this meadow, and we're 25 yards from them. Uh-huh. I mean, like, close. Yeah. And then we're on the main trail, and they just start walking towards us. So Jason pulls up. He was wanting to take a muzzler. I'm like, oh, if you have a shot, it's going to be, like, 500 yards. Yeah, yeah. Then this cow elk comes walking, like, 20 yards from <laughs> us. I mean, like, really close. And yeah. he pulls up his 300 PRC, boom, and just hits his cow. And that bullet was going so fast, like, didn't even sound like he hit it Uh because it was going so fast. It just didn't, like, normally with, like, a muzzle or a rifle farther away, you can hear it whop. 
No, we thought he missed it, so we walk up there. Can't find any blood, but the thing, it was so steep up there. We looked down about 200 yards, and we just see dirt everywhere. Yeah. And this elk rolled all the way to the bottom of the hill, <laughs> which worked out perfect. It rolled right to the road, and I drove yeah. the truck right to it. There so. you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Jason's a cool guy. Great guy. Yeah, um, yeah he, we, it was really nice. We got to have him on the podcast at SHOT Show this year, so that was a lot of fun. But um, So do you guys do you guys plan to continue? Obviously, you're doing a lot of rodeoing and stuff. Um, and I knew last time we talked, you were doing photography and stuff for yeah. BPI. Are you guys, do you guys have any plans to kind of continue on in the outdoor industry or are you guys wanting to branch off and kind of do different things? You know, it's definitely for me personally, such a neat industry that I like to always stay involved in, in some aspect or another. Uh, we'll, we'll see what the future holds on exactly what avenue and to what extent, but, um, yeah, definitely not in the way of wanting to get out of it. Just yeah. uh, looking for the, you know, the next step on where where that fit in my career might be but uh yeah, yeah it's definitely a, a special industry and don't want to get out of it for sure totally i think with me too like i go to arizona every winter to go down there and get out of the snow and cold so <laughs> i stay down there for six months and like i still when i go to the mule deer foundation the hunt expo banquet and shot show and i mean i'm never gonna leave it i've kind of done more stuff with the I'd, I'd rather be here during hunting season when everybody comes than go do all the sports shows and everything because yeah. I'm more into the hunting than the social aspect of sure. going to walking around booths and talking yeah. to people. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't think, no matter what, I don't think we'd ever leave it. So Yeah. Yeah, well, it's kind of, I mean, you don't always have to have your entire life absorbed by it, too. Like, you can do photography on the side for all these brands because you have that those relationships. It's right. like, hey, let me do this for you and, you know get that out of the way and so i think it's really cool that the outdoor industry is is kind of diverse in that way and you can you can really do pretty much anything you want i mean if you enjoy hunting or you can go be a hunting guide or whatever if you enjoy manufacturing you can get into manufacturing mm -hmm. and uh, just really incredible industry to be a part of so yeah well is there anything else you guys wanted to add to the podcast yeah it's been great being on here glad you came up glad we got to do it today and really enjoyed it me too it's been fun absolutely well i appreciate you guys joining us um for you guys listening and watching be sure to check out shoot straight tv um they have the new podcast beyond the big sky i think you guys have four episodes out now um wyatt is on every episode i believe you were just on um you were just featured on the most recent episode yeah right? little brother had me on for a guest yeah. but yeah Wyatt's done a great job he's he's really taken that off with the the podcast and doing really well with it so yeah. one with you is kind of what we just talked about just a little untamed version of it uh, right right <laughs> awesome well i really appreciate you guys joining us um we will see you guys on the next episode